there, swimmers and swimmers. I'm Garrett McCaffrey, and joining us today all the way from Edinburgh, Scotland, is Chris Jones. He's the head coach of the University of Edinburgh, and this is the Swim Swam Podcast. Thank you so much for making this work today. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. No problem. It's, uh, it's great to be on and talking to you guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, help us. Let's start um, for you know, us naive Americans who don't fully understand how you know, the club and college system, the university system work over there in the UK. Can you help us understand um, how a, a university like Edinburgh kind of fits into the grand scheme of of swimming in the UK? Yeah, no problem. It's, um, it's interesting. University swimming in the UK has been sort of steadily growing over the, over a number of years now. Um, I think Loughborough university, you, you did a piece on, I think the last couple of weeks, they've probably been the, the university within, you know, performance sport that have sort of set the tone, um, in the early, early years of, of, of sport developing in the UK. But over the last, perhaps 10 years, you've seen a steady rise of other universities, programs, being able to improve and add to senior swimming within the UK. Um, the, the structure is, is such where you have, I think if you take a university program in the UK, they're, they're a club and they're a, and they're a university program in, in the same uh, structure. Um, we operate as, as as a club where we can compete in sort of national championships and British trials, but we can also compete in the British University uh, Championships, which is the your equivalent, the NC2As. Um, so the structure itself is is um, is uh, growing each year, strength to strength within the UK. You know, we have swimmers ranging from 17 years old up to 27. You can have guys that study. Uh, within the program, which the vast majority do, um, but you can also have you know full-time uh, professional athletes as well as you know athletes that perhaps work alongside doing their their swimming uh, commitments as well. So, okay, that answers a lot of the questions I had about age range and if they're all students. Mm-hmm. Are the ones who are students getting some kind of financial aid and scholarship for that academic side of things? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 another thing that um, that has been on the on the rise over the more investment that's gone into the sport. Um, the the scholarship program is something that started to to happen and in Edinburgh. What we've done over the last uh, sort of fourteen years, I started in two thousand and eight. I actually set the program up uh, within the University of Edinburgh, and it's got we've steadily grown it over that time. And we're really fortunate in terms of some of the the support we get from the university in terms of being able to offer scholarship programs. And it's now a really healthy package that we can offer in terms of not just the resources we've got in terms of, you know, the, the support services, but also the, the financial support that we can offer aspiring, you know, international level athletes to be able to do their, their academics and, but also, you know, compete at swimming at a high level. Uh, we, we have a number of other performance sports that, 
have to fit into the mix. Again, like a lot of the US programs, we have a really strong rowing program amongst others as well. But the, the swim team is one of our leading, leading programs. So in terms of some of our undergrad programs, we have some great financial packages, anything up to £10,000 that we can offer some of, some of our leading athletes. But it's really the post-grad, the postgraduate program where things, there's a lot more flexibility around that. We're able to, to offer full scholarships over a two-year period to international athletes coming from all over the world, from the US, you know, uh, from play all around Europe. We've got a, a, a real international feeling around the program. And it's something that we're really open to. We're excited by, you know, being able to offer this to some of these emerging athletes um, to be able to do the, the, their academics as well. You know, the University of Edinburgh is, you know, it's one of, it's, it was just, it, it's one of the, the oldest universities in the world and it's extremely academic as well. So one of our, you know, mottos that we have, we, we're, we're excellence in academics, but we're excellence in athletics as well. And that's what we're striving to do in our performance sport program at the moment. And that's why we've got these competitive um, uh, scholarship you know, programs that we, we can offer now. So they're all, all the kids or all the young adults and athletes that you coach are either undergraduate or graduate students? Yeah, post, or postgraduate programs, yeah. The vast majority, we do have a number of athletes that may be um, graduated and, and continue to, to swim on a professional level. Um, so we, we can offer all of those spectrums and we're open to all, all of those areas. We, we don't have any restrictions in place. Uh, for, for those things. So as far as the system in the UK for inner um, university competition, there's no limit on the number of scholarships or who everybody trains with or anything like that? That's right. No, we don't have any, any limitations uh, in terms of that. It's a fairly new thing and an emerging thing within the UK. Uh, as I said, Loughborough have been setting the tone for that a bit longer than anyone else, but there's some emerging uh, universities that are really starting to push in terms of what we can offer. And we're one of them. And we've worked really hard to be able to provide some of these uh, um, attractive uh, packages to, you know, our international students uh, from around the world. Are the postgrads paying dues or are they just able to come and train and get the training for free? Uh, yeah, we, we uh, pretty much for free. And we, we, there's certain fees that we have put in place in terms of, you know, insurance and different things that we have for a fee to train at the start, but the vast majority of it is is free. So the scholarship that they get to pay for their their academics and to pay for their swimming is goes goes a long way uh, in the support. So as I said, we've worked really hard, especially in the post grad area, to be able to provide these amazing packages uh, as well. So it's it's pretty attractive. Yeah. How how big is your team? We at the moment we've kind of sitting around around you know 65 athletes throughout the whole um, spectrum we're open to just student athletes as well that on the sort of first rung of the of the performance swim team right up to sort of international caliber athletes that we have going off to the commonwealth games this year and the world championships uh, we've got swimmers at the world para championships as well uh, that they've just left actually just the other day uh, to head over there and the European Championships later on uh, this this summer. So, yeah, we've got um, a full spectrum uh, across the board to be able to uh, compete at those those level meets. 
Yeah, that's a that's a huge team of you know sixty plus, and from what I can understand from the website, you've got two assistant coaches and a separate weight coach. Does that mean that you're coaching all sixty five of those swimmers at some point or another? <laughs> no, we've got um, we in terms of my role as the, as the head coach, I play a very much a, a role with with the coaches that I have. We've got a look. We've got a really experienced uh, group of coaches. We've actually got we added another one this year so we've actually got we've got a total of four coaches including myself um we uh we split it around we made a few changes this year where um coming out of covid i felt personally re- responsible for us to for me to have a bit more of a holistic view of the program so working with the coaches working with the staff to be able to you know pick up any gaps within the program coming out of the, the pandemic so you know We've got um, one, of my, one of the coaches, Matt Trodden, who is a fantastic coach. been working with him for about eight years now and does a really good job in, in working with some of our elite athletes. Uh, another coach, Ross Douglas, who, again, is, doing, is a really good developing coach who um, works with sort of the core of the program, we call it, where, you know, a, a multi-layered approach, probably around about 20 swimmers within that group. And then there's another coach that we've just started with called Jennifer Davis, who picks up a lot of the kind of student-based athletes that have like, you know, different levels, different abilities that uh, picks up that sort of baseline of the program. So we have a really good opportunities right the way through the spectrum. And and I I work heavily with the coaches and support staff to do that. We're really fortunate in Edinburgh when we set it up that we're able to offer the strength and conditioning support, psychology support, uh, you know, sports science, we put a lot of effort into our sports science uh, program and with our partners at, at Scottish Swimming and the governing body of the sport, be able to provide some of these amazing resources that we do along with ourselves. Got it. That makes sense. I was going to kind of get to that question too. Who pays for this? Is that mainly the university or is, you know, you just said Scottish Swimming pays for a little bit yeah. of that as well? That's right. Yeah. I mean, the University of Edinburgh pick up uh, a big a big chunk of everything uh, that we do, but we're really lucky where we've got great partnerships with Scottish women and British women where, you know, some of the resources that we tap into through sports science or physio or other aspects that we sometimes link in with some of our elite athletes that we're able to u- utilize those resources and, uh, and bring them in closer with our, with our own staff that we, we, we have as well. So, you know, we have a really strong relationship with Scottish women uh, over a number of years, uh, Scottish women have like four, five, uh, sorry, four centres within within the network in Scotland. Uh, Scotland's a pretty small country in terms of population, uh, and uh, the, we, there's one base, a program in Glasgow, the University of Stirling, which is about an hour away uh, from us, and then ourselves in Edinburgh in the east, and then there's another one in Aberdeen, which is in the north of Scotland. Uh, those are the four main centers, and then there's lots of a huge club network around as well. As far as when you're setting up your season, you know, you're competing against universities and clubs, and obviously the international trials was a recent meet that you all had a really good meet and great success at. How does the mm-hmm. season set up? I mean, are those university competitions um, a top priority, or is that come second to making those international teams, which you guys have had loads of success doing as well? It, it's a good question because we um, we often get asked that a lot, and with this kind of emerging university uh, competitive framework within within the UK, 
Um, obviously, our resources, are, the majority of our resources come through the University of Edinburgh. So they looked for us in a, in a box level, uh, British University level to, to compete strong. So, but us as coaches have to sort of make sure that we have, we're competing at a high level there. So the, 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 the Bucks Short Course Championships happens in November. Uh, and then the Bucks Long Course happens in February with the trials, as, as you mentioned there, happening in sort of April time. So in terms of the way we structure the season, the, obviously the priority will be the trials event in, in April. But we, we spend a lot of time, obviously, with planning our cycles to make sure that we can go in to those uh, Bucks events ready. Uh, it's not the focus uh, in terms of that. And we set that out at the start with, with everyone. But we, we make sure that we are mentally ready. We can get into, get into those and put some good competitive um, uh, uh, good competitive, I guess, races together in those meets, and it's good race practice because they're great meets and they're fun meets. And uh, the short course, in, uh, the short course meets in in November, that's great, and then the long course meets in in February. Uh, so that the, the great meets for us to set us up for the for the for the main events of that of the season. So yeah. So let's kind of talk a little bit more about those British trials and, and uh, the group that did so well. Is that the group that you primarily work with, the people focused on those trials? Yeah, myself and, and as I mentioned, uh, Matt there and, and Ross, with those, those are the, the, we had a big contingent there this year. As I said, we made a few, a few adjustments this year as we came out of COVID just to make sure that we could do that. One of the things that I attribute to the success, along with the great coaches that we have, uh, is that we we really wanted to make sure that we could establish, use the opportunity of coming out of the pandemic and, and create a really good uh, uh, team. We worked on our values, what we thought was important, athletes and staff really bought into a, a vision um, and a strategy to, towards that. And there was a real togetherness to, to um, and what we've done. We worked with a, a sports psychologist that came and talked with the team and how to, to draw out that. Everyone felt part of that. Um, that that vision uh, towards the trials. Everyone felt part of that journey. We 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 talked about team and the values all the way through. The athletes got together and came up with their own values, and um, we started that. And every meet we went to, we 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 talked about supporting each other through the meet and sharing in the, in, in each other's goals and ambitions. So, and I think that carried all the way through that kind of positive outlook. And when we got to trials, along with the preparation that we had and delivered for the athletes along the way, we had a really good vibe. We were able to take uh, a really good um, level, uh, contingent of athletes. I think we had something around the lines of about 35 athletes at the meet, um, and which was fantastic. So the support that we, we, we generated at the meet, sort of along with those values, really, really helped everybody perform and the performances were just fantastic. Can you share what some or all of those values were that you guys came up with as a team? We talked around, yeah. I mean, some of the, the main ones was about unity and support. Um, the, the way that when I set the program back in 2008, I was very clear around the way that I, I wanted this to be, about relationship building, about it being athlete-centered around it, being a family of of, of High achieving academic um, uh, and athletic uh, young young adults, and I wanted that to to resonate. I want I wanted that to start, and that was the building framework from from those early years that we've 
as we came out of the pandemic, we wanted to reestablish those those values as going into it. And uh, you know, it, 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 the pandemic was challenging for everybody, right? It was a difficult uh, period of time. But I think you know, we felt really important that we could come up with some reestablish those core values of the team, and the athletes really bought into it, and we carried that into the meet. We we had a we had a like a, a, a like a hashtag that we used. A number of years ago, and we kind of let it drift away. And when when the athletes dive in the water, we pretended to shape just boost. It was a thing that we did. And a couple of coaches said to me, "Why, why did that? Why did where did that go?" And I was like, "You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where did that go. We forgot about it. So we we brought these little things back into our makeup. So when the athletes and the and the the gun goes for the start, the athletes shape boost, and everybody knows that when when they hear that, there's, there's a Edinburgh athlete just about to get in the water so we brought these little things these little nuances back into the program that perhaps we'd f- forgot about in the past and uh, it was uh, we had a really exciting meet and you know some of the athletes uh, just like really inspired us and in some of their performances sounds like an awesome environment um, sounds like yeah. a healthy place for young adults and you know adults to become great athletes can we talk a little bit more about the X's and O's when you're breaking up your group uh, into groups. Um, is it something where you're doing different groups every day? Is it something that they're all kind of training together for the whole time or some of the time? Can you kind of just give us a big picture of yeah. what your day-to-day practices look like as far as um, how you're structuring a workout for 35 or, or, you know, how many individuals that you're working with in your top group on a daily basis? Okay, yeah, so we, in, in, in our top group, we've got a roughly around uh, uh, 16 athletes. So the, the day-to-day things will be led by uh, Coach Matt, and I'll be supporting Matt around making sure the program is right for some of the individuals. Some of our top athletes that, that are in that group, well, most of the top athletes are in that group, and that will be centered around, obviously, international um, uh, competing meets and um so when we're looking at it, we've we've got a, a range of different types of athletes from like fifty specialists up to up to you know two hundred breaststrokers, four hundred freestylers. Um, so we tailor the obviously the program around that. There could be like maybe three to four to five different things going on that, and me and the coaches will talk about that at, at the start of the week and get into some of the, the 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 detail around who's needed where and how that's related to. Uh, maybe some of the the individual targets of that athlete. So, for example, um, this is where the wider support services come in as well. We would meet on a Monday. Strength and conditioning coach might say we've been working over the last three weeks on on the start and and, and the uh, some of the you know the strength and application off the start. Um, and this is what we've been trying to to do. That the coaches will then take that and maybe apply that into some of the training to make sure that we're all on the same page. Then the physio would come in and make sure that, you know, anything that sort of from a mobility point of view would do that. So we really try and it's up to me as the head to try and bring all these all these things into the into the melting pot together to make sure that it's coherent into the training program as well. Then I can work past that all that on to the coaches as we go. So in terms of the structure, um, that that would be around about where we're at in terms of the numbers, how we deal with it on a on a day-to-day basis. We swim. We do we roughly about nine sessions a week in this top group, but we can have pretty much flexible flexibility to up to ten depending on where we are in the cycle. But 
the, the we have two swimming pools that we swim out of. We're, we're lucky we've got our own uh, 25 meter pool that is the universities that we train big chunk and the 50 meter pool in the city the royal commonwealth pool in edinburgh is kind of owned by the city and we we share that uh, access to that and that's where the relationship with the governing body allows us to get great access into that facility to be able to you know hit our long course training as well and that's where all our training sort of uh would go around and we would share that when one group's in one place the other group is in the other place and we flip over that so we get a good balance between long course and short course training are they each on their individual weekly training cycles? Is there kind of a, a training cycle that you try to stick with on a weekly basis? Yeah, I mean, we generally follow a, a three-week uh, training block cycle and then like a week of, of adaptation and recovery, uh, you know, depending on where we are within the year. That, that's the general find throughout the groups. Um, but we, um, we the, the individuality, the, the specificity of that would be, um within that we would collaborate put you know like for like together in terms of you know events or 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 needs within that cycle if someone's targeting a certain event and you know it all comes down to timing so these would all be drawn out in the meeting so but generally you know you would start together or maybe you would splinter off if there was different things going on in the pool so we could add as much specific work as we can in into into the training zone cool I'm just trying to dig in deeper because obviously it's really hard yeah. to explain all of the complications that go into specific training for a big group and yeah. a variety of events. But, you know, the results that really stood out a lot are the breaststroke results. Can you give me an example of a great breaststroke set that you guys would be doing, you know, here in May or June coming off of trials, trying to build back up a little bit before they go off their separate ways for other meets. So kind of like uh you know, a heart of the season, trying to push them, trying to get them to, to work and make some gains. Um, breaststroke set that you might see typically? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've worked on this year, and my colleague Matt has, uh, has done a fantastic job bringing some of that together in the, in the breaststroke. He's a, he's a big believer in, in some of the resistance work that we've been doing. Um, just allowing to pick up the dead spot in the breaststroke. You know, I think you guys in the US use the, the, the buckets a lot. We've got these swim towers, you know, weighted swim towers that we've been using and the bungee cords quite a lot in terms of adding that level of resistance and then exploding into a bit of transfer, a bit of fast work. So we use it as a technical aid to really hone in that work and we use, we use stroke rate to really look at the tempo to, uh, around that, make sure that the stroke is, is as efficient as it can be. So we've been, um, uh, Matt's been using that a lot this year and We've had some really good results of that for the athletes to be able to get that transfer, work on the efficiency of the stroke, make sure that it's light, make sure that the cutting through the water is as good as possible. And um, they, they like it, they enjoy it. So we've been utilising that a good maybe two to three times a week uh, in the cycle. So we'll be getting back into a lot of that right now um, and being able to as preparing for the main meets. Um, it can be quite heavy at times in terms of like it's quite a, a challenging training form when you've got that level of resistance. Um, but we, we are seeing some really good results from it. Yeah. How many days a week are you lifting? We depending on who the athlete are. We probably lead two to two to three times a week. Um, we tend to do it uh, on a Tuesday, Thursday morning. We're quite fortunate that we, we can swim at 9 a.m. And we would do gym at uh, 7 a.m. So we, we get that, so there's something that we've done new this year 
in in pre pre um, S and C work into into the pool, and that's a nice bit of transfer as well when you come there. So we can get into the pool, apply some of those skills while still feeling a bit a bit funny from from lifting in the gym. So that's that's worked really well this year for us. When you talk about nine possible workouts per week. Um, can you give me a, a basic idea of how far you're going on maybe some of your longer days that you would be going in the water? Just again, trying to get a good feel for, you know, what works. So yeah. well. I think everybody can yeah. understand the nitty gritty. So as much detail as you can give us, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, no, no problem. Again, what, what, what myself and Matt uh, in that, within that group try to try to establish is where we think the, those athletes can you know what 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 is their kind of peak volume where we can get that out so we're not going beyond that it takes a bit of time to figure that out with an athlete it takes a maybe maybe a number of years to get to a point so Cara Hanlon who broke the Scottish record um in, in at trials uh, for the 100 breaststroke she she um you know could swim around about the sort of mid to mid to high 30s uh, 30,000 meters per week um, and we know that that is, you know, and that can fluctuate, but we know that that is a, is a good value for her to be able to uh, maximize her performance. So it's not a great amount, you know, in terms of that, but we know if we go beyond that, and Matt knows that if he goes into the 40s, 50s sometimes, that that is just going to send her over the edge. Um, but again, it differs. So, but we've got a, we've got a foreign freestyler who she can get anything up to, to 50, 60K weeks. Uh, at the at the right parts of the season, I know she's just put in just recently a, a good fifty fifty five k week. Uh, it was pretty tough for her, but you know she managed to do that. She knows that that's her, her bread and butter training that needs to get done. So, and, and again, we're trying to make it as specific as we can around those athletes. You know, I've had some sprinters in the past, some male sprinters that you know don't don't like the volume, but I know that at certain points of the year that they need to sort of hit you know, a good chunk of 40,000 metres a week to make sure that they're, they're aerobically in tune with being able to hit those 100 freestyles when they come along. Yeah. I, I think it's just neat that there is a role for, you know, someone like you to kind of oversee it and yet giving, you know, room for your coaches to coach too and not necessarily standing over it. Um, so just last question kind of about technical stuff. How much drill is there involved? Are you guys, cause I know there's different variations of thought out here where some people believe in drill. Some people think drill can, you know, create bad habits is drilling something that you guys do a lot of within that yardage or that meterage. Yeah. Yeah. I have to give a lot of credit to my colleague here, uh, Matt, who's, um, who really does hone in on the drill work. Um, you know, it's something that we, uh, and, and specifically, he thinks is very important. And, you know, I've learned a lot watching him over the last few years develop some of those drill works in terms of position in the water, um, some of the drills and skills that, that we put in place for the athletes. And we make it a part that, that is absolutely, there'll be some element of skill every day. You know, I came into the session the other day and, you know, Matt was working on some with some of the guys just on flotation and body position. It was almost like a synchro session. And uh, the guys were working, so you're working hypoxically, but working on just posture in the water, being able to move your legs up to, up to your chest and be able to balance yourself. Some of the big guys were sinking, but, you know, it's good for them to even practice, you know, uh, just sitting in the water and floating and, and feeling where they're at. So, 
yeah, skill is very important to us in terms of drills, but also I think it's really important for uh, from my point of view is that you get that uh, progression through the drill into the swim. I think if you you get closer towards, if you set progressive drills, end up being able to apply that to swim, utilizing some of the equipment to help you to get that, the finger paddles, the snorkel to make sure the body position is 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 correct as well. So I think it's um, it's important for us to 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 utilize that skill, but they're only drills unless you can, uh, you know, they're stage drills unless you can actually apply them. So it's important that we we can get get eyes on that, use cameras to to show the athletes where what they're doing in the water. But no drills plays a heavy heavy part of what we do for sure. Can we get an example of one of those progressions? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think one of the things, and probably Matt would be able to explain it better than me, but I think it's. Uh, we do a lot where we, we, we get to a position with a high elbow catch on freestyle where we can start on the recovery over the top. We talk, started with just body position, arm out on the side, being able to rotate uh, and make sure that that high elbow catch when your arm's over recovers. So you're working on the timing uh, where you can sort of over and back and make sure that you, you can drill over. And then eventually you can start to work at sort of high elbow chicken wing style training then sort of into doggy paddle and then you can see with the head up freestyle and then you bring the breathing into it. So, you know, you go through these stages where you're applying the rotation, the catch all simultaneously as you, as you develop each little aspect of that while still remaining, keeping the kick going uh, as well. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, it does. And I appreciate you getting into the nitty gritty and now I'm going to transition a little bit more of your big picture. What I imagine you spend a lot of your time doing like some, some big yeah. picture goals because with all the different types of competitions and the different levels of athletes, how do you, uh, how do you strive for improvement and growth as a program? What kind of goals do you put out there for the program as a whole? It's a great question. We've been talking about this, this uh, over the last few weeks, you know, we're having a great season, but you, you can't sit still on this. It's, uh, it's important. I think we, we've reestablished some really great values this year and where we're going. Um, but we've got to keep evolving. You know, we're ambitious on a university level to attract some of the international athletes from around the world, but we're ambitious on on the international scene to be able to look at the Olympics and the World Championships, do that. And we're extremely ambitious to to on a on a university level in the UK to be able to keep pushing the the Loughborough of this world and and keep them on the toes. We were second last year, so we're going to, we're looking to do that. So from, from a structure point of view, you know, we meet as a coaches, what can we do? What can we learn? Speaking to other coaches around, speaking to, you know, our friends in the U S uh, and be able to learn some, some learn some things uh, about um, where we're going, working with our partners um, on the next step. So we, we had a good meeting this week actually about what the next steps of this program can be where we're going to take it, what is the vision for the next two to four to six years and, and what, what things can we put in place to allow us to, to achieve, those, uh, achieve those goals. What ways do you see this university system enhancing British swimming? In what ways do you see it um, you know, evolving? And you know, here in the States, the collegiate system is a real foundational piece of the success of our national team. Um, how do you see, you know, your program and your role within the university helping um, the, you know, the international teams as a whole? 
Well, um, the like like in the US, when when swimmers get to that age where they're looking to their their young adults, they're looking to go and study. That's just a part of life. Um, uh, there's there's numerous places you can go around the UK. There's some national centres that British swimming invest in as well. Uh, as in terms of the super elite, the Adam Peters of this world, where they can go and they can train in there. But you do need a, a, a an underbelly of you know good quality university based program for these for these student athletes to go and study and to compete at a high level. You know, and we're one of those those programs. I think it's growing all the time. I think within within that structure, I think it gives these young um, the young adults, the, the student athletes, to to go and and chase those international teams. There's only so much that some of these national centres can can do and provide. And you know, we we want to try and help that that layer of that next layer or the international teams from around the world that maybe you know what might go and try try myself in Scotland and go and compete we've have athletes over from Ireland and you know as far as you know Hong Kong and China different different uh, nationalities that can come in and utilize our great resources to be able to do that so the impact is far and wide and and I think the UK in itself in terms of university swimming is is certainly certainly uh, gathering momentum it is different from the collegiate system in the US as as we, we we alluded to at the start of the conversation, but I do think that uh, that the UK university system is is starting to gather a bit of momentum, and and there's gaps and there's for us to 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 do that, and there's it's not for everybody to go into a national centre or, or 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 elsewhere or over to the US. There's there's other opportunities, and we feel at Edinburgh that we're we're one of those great opportunities to do that. It definitely seems like it, and. Kind of want to circle back around to finish up with that healthy culture and ask a fun couple questions. What kind of things do you guys do to make sure that, you know, sports stays sport and it stays fun? Like how do you make swimming fun on a consistent basis? Uh, there's something else we've talked around around that culture. is It's so important. We, we've done a – I turned up to one of the sessions uh, and my, my colleagues, my, my, the coaches in the, in the program, they're great guys and – you know, and I turned up to one of the session, and uh, my uh, Matt had got a bunch of the weights, uh, uh, barbells, weights with some of that, and he got them in the pool of doing relays underwater, working hypoxically in these with these weights running under the water, and the guys were having a great time. And uh, I was thinking, what, what, what's going on? How do I, how do I explain this one? And uh, the guys were just having a great time, and I'm not sure where it came, what came of it, but um, they're having relay races of underwater weight training <laughs> so that was good things like that is so good we also socially try and get together and uh um you know we run at sort of a performance swimming uh annual dinner obviously we've not been able to do um for the last few years but we recognize um the achievements of the year the athletes that have uh, maybe retired and you know and we recognize their achievements and we we recognise the team's performance as well. So we're looking to do that again this year. So that'd be great to get everyone together uh, and celebrate some of those so those elements. It's super important that the relationships that, that, that the athletes have, the coaches have with the athletes, that that, that can continue on, uh, you know, from whatever they, they go on and do in their next stage of their, their careers and lives. So it's really important to me personally that that continues. But um it, it, it helps them have a great experience in, in there as well. Um, 
Yeah, it definitely adds to the culture and you kind of hit on it right there. Fun is an important piece for you personally. And I kind of agree that, you know, as coaches, and I know that we talked before we started recording about, you know, having families, you've got two young daughters um, and it's sometimes hard with work and family to find the fun, but give us an example of what you like to do when it's time for fun for Chris. What do you do for fun to get away from coaching and, and kind of make sure that you're having your, your share of the fun too? Well, I, uh, I, as I said, I've got, I've got two young daughters and that, that keep me busy, uh, twin girls, and uh, I love hanging out with them. But away from that, uh, I've done a lot of weightlifting myself this year. I've got back into some weightlifting with a good friend of mine who's uh, got me down the gym and doing a bit of weightlifting. So that's some uh, personal targets there. But I'm also a huge fan and I played in a, band, a heavy metal band. I love heavy metal music and um, a lot of US bands that I love and uh, so that's my uh, guilty pleasure, listening to uh, some great heavy metal music. What instrument do you play? Well, not so much instruments. I'm the, I'm the, I was the vocalist, well, lead shouter, put it that way. <laughs> that is awesome. Great stuff. Yeah, no. hey, it was really a pleasure to get to know you. It sounds like you've got a great program there that you've built from scratch. You started it up in 2008. and. You know, going on 15 years here, it seems like you've got something special. Um, definitely getting some notice uh, on our website through, you know, results and comments and stuff. So it was a pleasure to get to know you and thank you for the glimpse into the program. Best of luck going forward. No, thank you very much for having me and it's been a pleasure talking to you. You've been listening to the Swim Swam Podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.